Let us pray. Father, let your light light shine brightly in our lives, in the life of this church, in the life of our community, dispelling darkness and infusing us with your glorious light. And may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning, everyone. Good to see all of you. I invite you to take out your Bibles or devices with Scripture on them. Looking today at 1 Corinthians chapter 2, our New Testament reading, and we'll be focusing specifically on verses 9 through 12. Today I want to focus on and look at our inheritance as believers, what God has given us, both in terms of the present life in this world as well as the fullness of our our inheritance, which is yet to come. I really have basically three points this morning. The first is the greatness of our inheritance in verse 9 of 1 Corinthians chapter 2. The basis of our inheritance in chapter 2, verses 10 through 11. And the essence of our inheritance in verse 12. We've been looking at this whole text from 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and now into chapter 2 for the past several weeks. And today's reading is the conclusion of a lengthy discourse in which Paul has blasted apart the wisdom of this world. What we would call mere human earthly logic, which has its origins exclusively within the human mind. And Paul draws a striking contrast between this kind of wisdom and true wisdom, which is imparted to believers by God, the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. As we saw last Sunday, apart from the Holy Spirit, God's truth cannot be fully understood or apprehended. And from a merely human point of view, which excludes a God-given perspective, the wisdom of God can never be grasped, nor apart from God, can we ever grasp the promised inheritance that is ours if we truly know Jesus as our Lord and Savior? So St. Paul begins here by talking about the incredible richness and greatness of our inheritance as believers. Look at verse 9 with me. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, What God has prepared for those who love him. Nor the heart of man imagined. Or as the NIV says, no mind has ever conceived. What God has prepared for believers. For those who are his. For those who love him. What he has prepared for us is beyond human comprehension. And really what Paul speaks about here is twofold. There is that which we have already already inherited as believers. And there are those aspects of our inheritance which we are yet to receive. So what is it that God has prepared for us? What is our inheritance? Certainly the things I'm going to mention are not an exhaustive list. I'm going to be using a lot of scripture, throwing a lot of scripture out at you today. But how else are we to know what God has prepared for us than looking to the promises of his word? So let's begin with things which are already a present reality for us. First of all, 
our present reality is that we are heirs with Jesus. Romans 8 verse 17. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Titus chapter 3 verses 4 through 7, my favorite verses in all of the New Testament. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. We share as everything which Jesus has won through his suffering, his death, and through his resurrection. We share in that, as we talked about last Sunday, through loving the message of the cross, loving the means by which God has made his grace alive in our lives, which is the cross of Jesus Christ. 1 Peter 1.4 promises us that this inheritance can never fade, perish, or spoil. Second, we are sons and daughters of God. Romans 8, verses 15 through 16. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Philippians chapter 3, verses 20 through 21. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it, from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject, subject all things to himself. And then St. John's Gospel, chapter 1, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the, nor of the will of man, but of God. We, as believers, are sons and daughters of the Most High God. It's important that we understand, because we hear a lot in our culture, and it's not new just in our day, this idea that we are all God's children. That is not true to what God's word says. God's word says that every one of us is God's creation, that he loves us deeply. Every one of us is created in God's image. We are image bearers of God. But we become children of God through living a living relationship with Jesus Christ. And apart from that, we are not God's children. And we must remember, only children receive the inheritance from their father. But through Jesus Christ and by the grace of God, we are sons and daughters of God. Third, we are recipients of God's forgiveness and citizens of his kingdom, as we just heard read even a few moments ago. But continuing in Colossians chapter 1, he has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Ephesians 1, 7, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. 
and continuing in Philippians chapter 3, again, our citizenship is in heaven. And from it, we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. We are recipients of God's forgiveness. God's grace, if we know Jesus Christ, has come to bear as a living reality in our lives. And we are citizens of his kingdom. But with that citizenship comes responsibility because we are called and God is more than willing to empower us to live first and foremost as citizens of his heavenly kingdom. Before any citizenship in this world, before any temporal earthly loyalties, we are already citizens of God's kingdom and we are ambassadors of his kingdom here in this world. And our lives, God calls us for our lives to reflect and demonstrate the character and the quality and the ethics and the transforming power of that eternal kingdom of which we are citizens. Fourth, we have eternal life. John 5, 24, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. John 11, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And then 1 John chapter 5, and this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life. And this life is in his son. Hear this. Whoever has the son has life. Whoever does not have the son of God does not have life. We have eternal life. Eternal life for the believer is not just some future promise of inheritance because the reality is the moment we come to a living faith in Jesus Christ, we enter into eternal life and physical death in this world is merely a translation into all of the fullness of that. But as believers with God, the spirit living in us, we already have entered into and have eternal life. And we need to not forget that. The great evangelist of the 19th century, D.L. Moody, put it this way. Someday you will read that D.L. Moody of East Northfield has died. Don't believe a word of it because at that moment I shall be more alive than than I am now. I was born of the flesh in 1837. I was born of the spirit in 1856, clearly indicating that he entered into eternal life, not into physical death, but into eternal life. That which is born of the flesh, he continues, may die. That which which is born of the spirit will live forever. We have eternal life. And then fifth and finally, we are destined in God to overcome the world. First John chapter five. For everyone who's been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. Our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 57. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. What is our inheritance? 
heirs with Jesus, sons and daughters of the Most High God, recipients of God's forgiveness and citizens of his eternal heavenly kingdom, we already are experiencing eternal life and we are destined by God and his power and his grace at work within us to overcome the world. That is the present reality for you and me as believers, as God has promised it to us. And the future? What about the future? It only gets better. Revelation chapter 2, verse 7. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Continuing in verse 11, he who has an ear, let him hear what the spirit says to the churches. The one who conquers will not be hurt by the second death. And then in Revelation chapter three, verse 21, the one who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne as I also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. What incredible, wonderful promises. What no eye has seen nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. We, brothers and sisters, have an incredible and great inheritance through our Lord Jesus Christ. Second, what is the basis of our inheritance? Verses 10 through 11. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit, For the spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him. So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. God has revealed these promises to us as believers by his spirit, by God, the Holy Spirit. And apart from the Holy Spirit, as St. Paul makes so clear here in 1 Corinthians, we cannot know or comprehend or understand or grasp the things of God. We cannot grasp the truths of God through worldly systems and earthly logic. That's a pattern that has been repeated time and time and time and time again in human history, all the way back to the fall in the garden, all the way back to Genesis chapter 11 in the Tower of Babylon, where people try to uh, connect with God and people try to comprehend the greatness and the majesty and the truth of God somehow through human efforts and human means, which is always fleeting and failing. It is only as we walk in a living relationship with Jesus as our savior and the spirit of God himself comes to dwell in us that we can grasp as a reality what is ours through Jesus Christ. Romans 8, 11 reminds us if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Brothers and sisters, that can never be earned. It can't be achieved by human efforts or human means or human wisdom or human logic. It can never be achieved by good deeds or by being a nice person. It comes about by humbling ourselves before God Almighty, recognizing our desperate situation of emptiness and brokenness apart from him. It comes about by surrendering to Jesus 
and through surrender and that living relationship with God gives, which God gives us by his grace, then becoming a lover of God and the things of God and his kingdom. And then we come to love and grasp what God has prepared for those who love him. The basis of our inheritance is God's grace through Jesus Christ. And finally, the essence of our inheritance. And it relates very closely to the basis of our our inheritance that we just spoke about. Look at verse 12 with me. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. Again, it doesn't come from the spirit or the ways of this world. Our inheritance comes through God, by God's means, in God's way. And we only grasp the fullness of, and the wonder of all of this through the Holy Spirit. And only through the Holy Spirit do we come to grips with this reality. The reality that this is not in any way at all through or by us. It's not through or at all by me. It is not through or at all by you. Rather, we understand with hearts filled with gratefulness and thanksgiving what God has freely given to us. Though it cost his son, the eternal son of God, greatly because it cost him his very life on the cross of Calvary. It's the work of Jesus for us and on our behalf. And it's the life in the spirit, which is the essence of all of this. So the question as I conclude this morning is this, which inheritance is yours? Which inheritance is yours? Jesus draws a sharp contrast between the inheritance of this world and the inheritance which is that for those who are his. The inheritance which is exclusive to God's children. Where is your inheritance? Which inheritance is yours? And what treasure is yours? What do you treasure? Where is your treasure and my treasure? Because the reality is the treasure on this earth will all pass away. Pretty much every summer we go to California to visit Tammy's family in Southern California. They live, her parents and brother and his family all live in Orange County. and Some of the other family live in L.A. County. But a number of years ago, I was with a friend and we were down in the Newport Beach area. And Newport Beach is kind of a high-end area. And to give you a, a feel, we were on one of the main thoroughfares in Newport Beach. And there were two car dealerships. Going down the thoroughfare on my right was the Bentley, Porsche, and Audi dealership. And directly across the street was the Rolls-Royce and Ferrari dealership. So I thought I would stop in as a looky-loo and just kind (laughs) of check things out. So first we went to the Bentley dealership. They've got one of these... um, Real old-fashioned British-looking Bentleys. You know, the cars I'm talking about that haven't changed in 50 years sitting on the floor. And this is, oh, 10 or 12 years ago. And the the price tag on that car was $280,000. 
And I asked the salesman, I said, so how many of these do you sell a year? And he said, so I sell 10 or 12 of these a year. And he began to tell me about all the options that you could get above and beyond the norm. Like you could have a particular tree on your property timbered and have that lumber sent to England and they would incorporate it into the interior of your car. And if you really wanted to go an extra step, tell me how absurd this is, you could have diamond studs put on each of the control knobs inside of your car. So that was on one side of the road. So then we went across to the Rolls-Royce Ferrari dealership and they had a car I'd never heard of before at the time sitting on the floor, this little two-seat sports car called a Bugatti. Has anybody ever heard of a Bugatti? Um, I knew what the price was back then, but I, I actually Googled it this morning um, just because I wanted to see what Bugattis go for nowadays. The price range for a Bugatti begins at $1.3 million and goes up to $5.7 million, depending on which model you want. I mean, this is, I mean, you can tell I don't love sports. This is a two-seat sports car. You can't put a kid's seat in it. I mean, and you can't even put compost in it to haul home for your Dahlia patch. <laughs> now, why do I tell that story other than to lighten things up? Because it shows you, and just because, let me back up, just because we can't afford to buy something like that doesn't mean we can't be trapped and clinging to the things of this world. But it shows you I think the means the human heart will go to in clinging to the things of this world rather than God's eternal kingdom. And you know what? In the end, even a Bugatti ends up in a bale about, you know, four feet by four feet and gets melted down again. Our inheritance, brothers and sisters, is not of this world. It's not temporal. It's not fleeting and our inheritance, our eternal inheritance as God's children is guaranteed. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 20 through 22. For all the promises of God find their yes in him. That is why it is through him that we utter our amen to God for his glory. And it is God who establishes, with you, establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us. And who has also put his seal on us and given us his spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. Which inheritance is yours today? Where is your treasure? And what inheritance are you and I and are we as a church living into in this day and for all of eternity? Let us pray. Father, search our hearts. And Lord, even this day, pour your grace into our lives as a church family that we would not cling to earthly treasure, to the things of this world, to mammon, but that, Lord, we would hold loosely to the things of this world. And we would hold fast and cling to you as you hold us in your loving arms. Father, help us to cast aside the things of this world that would weigh us down and keep us from all that you are calling us to as a people and as a church. And Lord, release us 
in your loving arms and as you hold us to be the people that you've called us to be. Assure us and strengthen us in confidence and gracious boldness, Lord, that our inheritance is in you and our citizenship is for all of eternity in Christ's eternal kingdom. And Lord, fix our eyes on Jesus, I pray, for the glory of your name. And we ask these things in his name. Amen.